We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. We're here for a second night of breaking down the best Squawking Dead clips that we could find of our coverage of Fear the Walking Dead Season 4. I'm here with me, David Cameo, Cosmo Mom 9 Rachel Burt, Blazy Gardner, Sharon D, and Nisa, WTF Nisa. Why can't, why can't we see you? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We know why. It doesn't matter. I'm in the darkness, my old Friend. Hello, darkness, my old camera. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, let's start with the first clip and see how we make out. And then we got our first nickname for Morgan ever, I think. <laughs> karate Man. Karate Man. He's a like sort of karate man. Love the sound of that. I know. It's it's just so Texas. It's 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 <laughs> Texas and just, you know, we're, we're and like again, comic bookie, you know? <laughs> It just is, you know? Karate man. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about political correctness. You can... No, we're in Texas. Karate man. It's like, can you imagine? It's post-apocalypse Texas. <laughs> For God's sake. Post-apocalypse Texas. Don't say it, Dave. Uh, no, so just ignore Dave right that. now. <laughs> not cutting it, though. If it wasn't PC before, certainly not now. Oh. <laughs> certainly not now. Not okay, to get we just political. Lost all our Texas fans. So. No, no. But listen, you can't go negative zero, so. It's, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a knock against Texas. I'm just no, I'm, saying. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, just Texas is like, a big state. Let's it's put a it that huge way. state. It is. Yeah. Not everybody's the same. It's like saying all New Yorkers are rude. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, if, if you really get to know a New Yorker, you wouldn't say that. No. Yeah. We just. We just. Yeah, we got shit to do. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How mm-hmm. rude. <laughs> for, for the record, for the record, Texas is actually my favorite state. Really? Just putting it out there. Texas is what? my favorite state. Why is that? I like New York. It, it is huge. Um, okay. It regionally, <laughs> the, I, I like this, this, this southern, I like the southern mentality in a weird way. Like, coming from a place where you classically don't engage in a friendly way with most people like like on a on a surface level we kind of get to the point no we'll say hey how you doing whatever but like you know that whole how do you do hey the, taking your time to actually say hello to someone we don't do that and but i admire it <laughs> But, and then all the culture that comes with that, that culture of friendliness and whatever. Yeah, but, Dave, I think you just want to dress up. Town, just howdy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I say howdy to people in New York. <laughs> Dave, I, I think, think you just want to dress up like a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, the truth is, yes. But, <laughs> there it is. But the hard truth is, I know what I would look like. Yes. <laughs> Did you guys have the same reaction to Leland? Yeah, Leland, to Leland saying, "Ah, we got look what we got here, Karate Man." Like, tell me Leland. what you thought. I thought yeah. it was hilarious and accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, coming. I mean, it's Morgan. It's not karate, but you know, it's uh, Aikido, right? Yes, yes, exactly. But, I mean, if you don't know, you're obviously gonna go to karate. It's the <laughs> most popular. It's either karate or kung fu. So, yeah, like, karate what the shit man. Is this? Like, it's like, oh, karate, man. That that makes sense. And I thought it was hilarious. Mm. What about you, Sharandy? I like the, the guy, the way the guy delivered the line. He was like, gunslinger and karate, man. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm watching. Well, look what we got here. <laughs> Thus, Leland and the Pilferers were born, in my mind. Um, oh, what do you, what did you think, Rach? Oh, just it was just hilarious. I like when they, you know, th- we always knew Fear was the more comical. I mean, it, loosely comical, you know, version of The Walking Dead. So I like when they sprinkle in the, the you know, things that make you laugh. Yeah, potentially comical. <laughs> 
have yeah, to much I think so. funnier. It's those that was one of the big things as we were going through season four. Is like, like it was almost like a relief. Like seasons one through three of Fear the Walking Dead kind of followed the tone of the Walking Dead, like in the general abysmal, abysmal things suck, things will continue <laughs> to suck tone, um, which is fine. It's the genre, but then like there were moments in the Walking Dead where you would get like like a little relief and you get little comedy, get a little huge doom. Yeah, exactly. Ounces of pudding, yeah. which we would all do, but um, but yeah, and then we lost that somewhere in season seven, eight, and then we kind of got it back a little bit, whatever. But you get my point, and then, but then, yeah. you know, but of course, season nine and ten followed, um, you know, four and five, and so there was a general consensus that, like, oh yeah, you know, I think we depressed our our listeners, our viewers in season seven and eight. So let's yeah. uh, let's do something about that. The Walking Dead has like this comic lines usually coming from from Negan or Jerry, um, but other than that, it doesn't have much. When yeah. Fear Fear has these characters, when out of the sudden they just say something that's really funny. So yeah, they, I think I think World story. Beyond's gonna yeah I think World Beyond's gonna take more of the comic side because it's kids, so it's gonna be funnier. I feel I feel like that too. Yeah, a little bit, but. But then I, I hear things about uh, Walking Dead World Beyond where there is a distinct seriousness. Because, do you, okay, and I'm going to just to round that out. I When you were like a teenager, did you take yourself a little too seriously? Like you oh, wanted wow. to be like that adult already, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, yeah, 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 of yeah. course. And so but when you look back, like, oh, I was so stupid and now I laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, right? Looking at yourself back, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. He had a journal. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have a journal, so... Oops. But to round out the comment, it, that is kind of where The Walking Dead World Beyond is going to go. You're going to see these teenagers take themselves really seriously for this very serious mission. But along the way, you know, they they take themselves seriously, but it's something you can laugh at, I think. Yeah, as a grown-up, yeah. you can laugh at them being serious. That's yeah. What yeah. I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, and if they do this right, then you can have, like, Felix kind of go in and out with that. Like, oh my god, kid, I'm so, so serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but anyways, let's move on to the next clip before we, because we love each other, we talk, whatever. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like A lot. A little context on this one. In case you didn't know, this episode, so this episode obviously covers Fear the Walking Dead episodes, uh, season four, episodes one, two, and three. And it was a good move that we did this. Carol was, I think, like, she was actually in the hospital, I think. And oh so, so it was this this kind of mix where I couldn't get in touch with her for some reason the week before. Um, she was in the hospital for this, like, wrist surgery, right? And then by the time she got back to me, she was, like, you know, recovering from that surgery. And I was like, you know what, let's do this thing where, because I had this idea about, like, doing a call and response. Like, I know it's, like, a very religious thing to say. It's, like, a religious um, term. But this idea of, like, okay, let me lay out the episode. I'll just record the events and my thoughts of the, of the, of the episode, of both episodes and then carol i'm gonna send that to you and you lay out what what you lay out any of the reactions to what i've said or any reactions that you have to those particular moments and so i weave them into the show so if if we sound a little disjointed that's that's the reason why is because we recorded these separately from one another and so that's that's the context and also nick's death kind of threw me up <laughs> spoiler alert nick dies sorry so yeah so there you go that's the context let me let me rewind that 
Alicia runs the and Strand and Alicia blow the hatch to the silo that Madison and Naomi are stuck in. Naomi. Alicia runs in to get Madison Naomi. for a second. You see Madison's back and she gets up really slowly and you start to hear the walker sounds. And for a hot minute, you start to think that Madison has turned. I notice the exact same thing. You kind of think, uh-oh, what happened to her? And I think there's something significant about that. It may be foreshadowing because I don't know if Madison's going to make it out of the season live. It definitely gave me that vibe immediately. And we see people when they start to get really, really altruistic and really moral, we do find that they end up not really making it. And not only not making it, just having the most sad ending. Almost like as if a, a punishment for trying to do good in this world. So it's just a very telling scene. Now, I could be reading too much into it, and it could just be a way for the showrunners to have a little fun with us. But I don't know. I don't see people dropping little hints like that for nothing. Idiot. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell the truth. <laughs> like, that's supposed to predict the future. I definitely oh, thought wow. the same thing during that scene. I know, what, I remember what you're talking about in the silo, and I remember being so excited and then extremely <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. So I'm, I'm, you know, there's something so funny about, like, like not agreeing. <laughs> like, but then you lean into it, and I'm like, yes! I mean, like, I completely disagree, but you're entirely hilarious about it, too. Like, oh my god, I, I was hoping she died. Yeah. <laughs> I got I see now we never really get so we never really get Sharon D's take on, on Madison. Like cause the cause well explain to everybody how you jumped on to the whole thing. Okay, okay. I I, I never watched a single episode of The Walking Dead anything until I watched season four, episode it's not five. Not even the first of, one. The Walking Dead. The Laura episode. <laughs> <laughs> episode five, which is oh. the John and June love story. And I, I mean, that, that made me just absolutely fall in love with the show. So I went on from there. And so my introduction to Alicia and Strand and Lucy is them shooting John and Damn. trying to kill June. <laughs> and so I, I'm. And they, like, I kind of hate the Fear of the Walking Dead um, season one so, through three. Everybody in it. <laughs> I've never. I still haven't watched them. I'm still. I'm still working my way through. Uh, I've watched the first episode so far. All right. I started uh, to watch. I'm working just, on that. Just so everybody knows, but, uh, um, you I do. Have, you do have. You had sort of a reaction video. Then you recapped some of it because you lost some of the footage, right? And but you still have that yeah, video explaining yeah. that on yeah. YouTube, right? Okay. So now it's I can link to it in the description. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Continue. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, okay, I also noticed there was another foreshadowing um, incident with Madison in Just In Case uh, 406 when they're at the FEMA shelter and uh, Naomi goes around, they go out to the truck that the lady has prepared and the lady is a walker inside the truck and Naomi goes around behind her and Madison goes up to the car window and has to get her attention and the way mm. she's reflected in the glass it looks like Naomi is stabbing her and stabbing oh. Madison in the head instead of the walker. Wow. And it's just the way they said And it. Did, did also, did it and I'm, I'm trying to recall that scene, and I'll explain why I'm recalling that scene, but didn't the walker it, itself kind of look like Madison? Was, I remember it had blonde hair. Yeah, oh yeah. So there's yeah, like almost a superimposing hair, of yeah. that walker on Madison. Now, the reason why I have to say that is because, and this is to explain what I was saying to you, Nisa, before, was like, you're a little ahead of me if you only watched season four, like, last year. Because, mm -hmm. in a way, 
in terms of recalling things. I never go back and watch episodes. I never go back. I mean, the thing of it is, is that when we're actually covering the episodes, I'm watching it three times and getting notes. So like, I'm literally studying the episode. Mm-hmm. And so when I go, when I go back, I, I'll go back to get a scene to reference something in a current episode, maybe, but I never rewatch any episode. At one day, I'll, I'll do it and I'll do it just to enjoy freaking episode. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, hey, listening in. Uh, Madison. Hmm. Oh, oh, it's Milani! Oh, okay. Yay! <laughs> what happened at the stadium? Because right now they make it seem like that they just waited out. Personally, yeah. I think that they do wait, but I think that they have their little trailer of walkers that they just unload into these places and let them do their bidding for them. Whoa. You know, I would I would actually agree with you, if not for the fact of this dialogue. I, mm-hmm. and, and, and everything that they've evidenced seems that they're not so menacing. I mean, you know what okay. he reminds me of? He reminds me of Garrett from Terminus. Oh yeah, yeah, you mentioned that definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But you that know what though? That that's the th- that's the thing. What what differentiates Mel from Garrett so far is there's no menacing. There's no captivity. There's no first thing, There's no people eating. Yeah. So far. But it's kind of <laughs> ominous, isn't it? Like just there, just yeah. that presence, just always just there. I will grant you that. Definitely the idea of, and it's almost kind of like okay what a stalker does yeah in a way yeah that creepy sort of stalkerish sort of like always just kind of there just watching yeah, yeah. Or, or okay and, uh, and and you must know this more way more than i do is you having that guy friend that's just waiting for you to kind of <laughs> am i wrong like that just oh, kind of like come oh, around waiting for that opportunity just waiting yeah for it. yeah oh yeah no one day, yeah one day yeah, she'll, oh, she'll be my girlfriend oh yeah we, we females all know about one at least one there's yeah. always one. Yeah, and oh, knowing yeah. full well that I've done this. I'm just, I'm just saying this right now. Look, I am not immune from this. Oh, All my laundry God. is on the table waiting Putting to be folded. There. Yep. Putting it out there. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're honest. That's good. Yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta be. You gotta, you gotta be. be. You gotta be honest. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's more of an annoyance, though. Yeah, but that's, that's the vultures. <laughs> Right there. That's right there. That's that. That's what they are. And what's interesting about that is that it really, it, it really is kind of like that. The interactions between Madison and Mel, they're friendly. Mm-hmm. He offered her a weenie. <laughs> He did. I bet he did. <laughs> Just like that friend, right? Um, oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> we, we learned a lot about me, at least. By the way, I, I like that you're laughing, uh, Wolani. Thank you. Like, at the time, we're scarred from Negan, in a way, kind of. This is where my frame of reference was. Mm. So we're, like, always suspicious. But then there's, a, like, that other thing, that, that little thing in the back of your head going, maybe these guys are a dud. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, maybe. I had, ma- I had no idea what what to think i was honestly really confused by the whole group when they showed up and then they were just like chilling and waiting they're like we'll just wait you out and i'm like don't you have someplace else to be like where is where are you from like that's what i kept asking myself and then come to find out obviously they're from nowhere they are from everywhere take, they're from everywhere yeah they take over whatever so i don't know it makes sense in the end but i my own yeah my first reaction was what what the hell <laughs> it's no and so maybe this kind of illustrates the point like you don't know what to think yeah Which i like it actually, though 
I was excited to see where it was going to go. That's like a, that's like a good reaction to have because it's like, okay, I'm open here. I don't know what's going to happen, and mm-hmm. they, and it's kind of iffy, but they don't seem that bad. But still, well, and oh, I like the I, idea I that they had the bad. two different kinds of bad guys too. You know what I mean? Mel was yeah. like the more relaxed kind of take the time, and then you had the the Simon bad guy that just wanted to go in and bash everybody. And right, so you know, it was a good balance. It's almost what uh, I think Walani just said on the on the chat. Mel and the Vultures always made me feel like they were a splinter group from Megan and the Saviors. Oh. I had the same vibe. Do, you're I doing the work that. for me. <laughs> I was kind of thinking similarly to similarly to um, to uh, Carol in that, like, okay, maybe this is a little like Terminus, but only in as much as like you know they talk a big game, but I don't think they're that threatening. I I almost like like honestly, I took them at their word because I can see that happening. I could see there being people in the world um, that are like, listen, listen, we're not dicks, but we're kind of oh. dicks. Like we're not the kind of dick that would like like hipster hipster murderers. Like okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're like too cool to murder you. So like, we'll wait for you like murder yourself. Yeah, and, yeah like, and we'll uh, we'll answer like every sentence, but in upspeak, so you think it's a question. <laughs> Hipster saviors, basically. Yeah, like, Negan just like, no, you guys, hipsters, you're out. You're on your so, own. The gonna... interesting thing is the actual VH- VHS rentals. <laughs> now, I want to let you know that I actually wrote down some of the titles, all the movies that have been rented out in this memory. All the titles. Every Tuesday, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. from ne- uh, McNeil's Baton Baton Beer VHS. Uh huh. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go through the list now. Okay. Now, there's the list of the movies and then the review. He actually gives a review in the sign-out sheet. Oh One word. God. Yeah, he writes his name. So, so it's from the top. <clears throat> there's Labyrinth, and he writes okay. Unsettling. <laughs> Agree. This gets really funny. On Golden Pond, which is very sad. Yes, it is very sad. It's very sad. Smoking the Bandit. Excellent. Naturally. Exclamation point. Naturally. Somewhere on time. Questionable. Okay. I don't think I saw in that time? one, but okay. Somewhere is, in time. like a complete left Maybe. turn. Glitter. And oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And in caps, not as funny as promised. <laughs> <laughs> Lip glitter. I love these writers. I, I love this pun. This is this is pun right here. Uh-huh. The Greek. By, by the way, she's not going to say that uh, after a few episodes. I love nah. these writers. <laughs> I, I love these writers. No, you don't. It changed so fast. Yes, Milani, that was glitter. He said glitter. Not as funny as promised. <laughs> Okay. Green Mile, too long. Green Mile is too long. Uh, <laughs> watership, watership down. Uh-huh. Wish it was longer. Oh, God. Hi, Eric. So yeah, we got too long. Wish it was longer. It was uh, Silas. Friday the 13th. <laughs> too violent. Just too violent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Road to Bali. Bad? Good time. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I think. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> okay. what, what, what is this movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was longer. Uh, oh, <laughs> good time. <laughs> Too violent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Road to Bali. Good time. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting. Uh-huh. Meet, meet John Doe. Okay. And that's the current rental. So he has no review <laughs> yet. So it's signed out, not signed in. Now, I looked up uh, Meet John Doe yeah. as a movie. Yeah. And it's about it's about a new uh, journalist okay. that picks up this hobo that used to be somebody, and he talks about ending his life, and, uh-huh. and he, it's just like this manifesto, basically. Hmm. 
And, and the weird thing about that is that it is, it's a story about somebody that pulls another human being out from their routine. Mm -hmm. the, this life that they've gotten used to. Mm -hmm. is something that happened to them mm -hmm. and, and they went into this, uh, he's a hobo, you know, so mm -hmm. he went into this, this uh, indigent life, let's say. Okay. And they pull him out of that again. And, and as a result, things change for the for that person. And mm -hmm. they also change for the journalist as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a very interesting story, you know, when, when it comes to that. It shakes up every, everybody involved in, okay. in the story. So I found that kind of interesting. So meet John Dory. Meet John Doe. That was the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a it's a black and white movie. And actually, I think they're watching it. Uh, he and Laura and Laura now because not Naomi. Now Laura. Um, yeah. And so yeah. So and and I actually do want to watch this movie because I I, uh, I never got around to it. Obviously, Squawking Dead. Thank you very much. Ruined my life, mom. <laughs> um, no. So, but you know what? I'm going to ask you guys a question because I don't think we asked it at the time. I said meet John Dory, but do you think this is actually more a little bit of Morgan and a little bit of John Dory like Morgan is the one that kind of steps in and shakes things up for these people but then also kind of John Dory kind of shakes things up for Laura and Morgan too like the indigent man who walks in and he decides hmm. to kind of take him on and take him in and be his friend you know I, I immediately thought of John Dory finding Morgan mm. that okay. there you go I agree I agree definitely John Dory I mean that lone wolf who definitely uh, who I mean he just decides to go on and be a friend. Martin's like, dude, no. He's like, yes, yes, you are my friend. I'm going to be with you. We're friends. You can't stop me. It's, it's like, we're friends. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. We're friends. There's no denying. We're friends now. I'm going to follow you. Like a creepy stalker. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> like a yep. creepy pasta. Can't get rid of me. More like Agreed. a puppy, you know, that starts following you and won't give up. Right. And I did like those I did like those details too. Like there's just like the idea of him renting out movies and continuing to kind of follow the rules in a weird way. <laughs> Write a little review for anybody who happens to come into the stories and he's so cute. I, I would like to know what's so unsettling about the labyrinth. <laughs> I, I'll tell you because I remember watching it when I was right like as soon as it not because I mean it was it was made in 80? No. 80s. Yeah but like Something the early uh, yeah. early 80s right? So and so I, like I, I yeah. was like three maybe when it came out or two and I so of course I'm watching it on VHS and like you know I'm five years old you know. Oh it, okay. It, it, it's not as much as you want to say that it's it could be a kid's movie there's just something that's. It's not little, for a five year old. It's a, it's a little it's it's a little, like, a little kind of, like, scary, kind of, right? In some ways. And also a little confusing. So, hence the unsettling comment. I would kind of agree. Okay. I guess I was a weird kid. I, yeah, I enjoyed I, that kind of stuff. I, of course, I, I like, also watched Freddy Krueger when I was, like, five. So, the Labyrinth was not scary. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did not appreciate Freddy Krueger, <laughs> like, Nightmare and Elm Street until like, much later. You know, I, I love it. I, th I think if uh, I were to say, like, unsettling, that's Labyrinth and not... Freddy Krueger, like I get, I get Freddy Krueger, but Labyrinth. There's some. I don't remember the name of it. There's a lot of creepy things. Yeah, some, some, but also some things that I think would confuse kids in some ways, like some like double entendres, some innuendo, and well, you gotta make it entertaining for the parents who are sitting through it too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Ani agrees with you, by the way. So, like that is John Dory is is the the man who steps in and changes things oh, yeah. for Morgan and yeah. likes John Dory and Morgan developing their friendship, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I'm gonna plus one that. See the little little one next to your your well, card. Upvote. Here, here. I'll give comment. you another. Get you another little upvote. There you go. Ooh, we got that. Two Woo! That was, a fun, that was a fun thing we played with last night, actually. There is something to be said about seeing the corpses of dead children uh, <laughs> on this, on, on this awesome. episode, by the way. Uh, and awesome. Drawings on the wall just the second later. Well, yeah, that brought her to her, not to her knees, but it basically floored her. It almost floored me. I was just like, oh my God. That is truly the horrific, not that everything else isn't horrific, but there's something about the element of incorporating children in that kind of environment that takes the horror to another level. I mean, it's it like hits home a little, right? You know, even season one, episode one, I think it was episode one. Oh or, yeah, with the kid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was kind of creepy. It's like, oh, little girl, and little girl turns around and is a little walker child. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's oh, it's creepy as fuck. You know, but I have to ask you a question. Yeah. Like, look, you have kids yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Is there a part of you that kind of gets wrapped into that a little bit? Did like you internalize think... it? Like, in... yeah, a little yeah. bit. I, I yeah. wonder, or maybe I do. Look, for all I know, no, no, yeah. for sure. Like, you could say no too. No, by no, the way. no. It's like, oh, I, do. I don't think of my kids no, when I see. No, this. no, no. I I do, and I and I say that not just in terms of this show but i i would say that in general to anything that's if it's effectively done oh, no you, you know i mean yeah. not everything it's you know nothing's perfect nothing's perfect <laughs> and not everything's gonna make me like automatically think of my kids in relation to it but right. when i do see some of this stuff it's like yeah I, I do think like oh man you know i i automatically kind of think about it like if it were me in that role if it were my child that didn't make it or something like that yeah i i I would be racked with guilt and, and and torturing myself, putting myself through the ringer for not having done more, at least in my mind, not feeling that I did enough to prevent this situation from happening. And by the way, it's like, I love how I'm basically saying, you're going to cry now, Carol? You're going to cry? What if you're <laughs> kid? You're going to cry? <laughs> I feel like I'm bullying her. Such a, a bully. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk about the idea of, of Laura now, um, seeing like po the possible corpse of her dead child you know uh yeah it takes you back to carol doesn't it yeah oh yeah and we we end up Looking talking for about Sophia. that yeah i was trying to actually connect that a little bit with um with like a personal experience like i mean uh some of you are breeders actually one of you um <laughs> When you see things like that, do you does that kind of resonate with you in some sort of way? That sort of idea of like so as as funny as it is, um, when I see um, like daughters, not so much. But it's when it's sons, yes, it really affects me. Oh, that is wow. Okay, That's yeah, it, it's a different it's a different effect. In my case, right. it's the same thing because of my son-in-law. So uh, I can relate more because you know when he's with me, his parents always say. Uh, he's with you, you're gonna be his mom and his dad, you're gonna act accordingly, so, you know, for years, I've used him to try to connect, actually. Oh, and it, does it just not work, or? It, it works sometimes, oh, okay. but uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit heartless, so... I know, uh, but that's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I try to use him, like, what if it was him? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's 
that that sucks. But I don't know. It doesn't like break my heart or anything. Right. right. It's not like, something we see very often, though. That's the that's kind of the point, you know. And and so yeah. the idea of it, at least, because I don't think we actually saw. I don't. Did we see dead children, or were they just kind of like amorphous kind of props? Kind of. I I don't remember that episode. So I, I can't remember the details. Yeah. There weren't any actual children. Yeah, I figured. No. But I think there were like generally speaking, there were like yeah, bodies on the floor or something like that. Yeah, uh, bodies yeah. on the floor and like little shoes laying around and stuff. Yeah. But they, oh. I got the feeling there were children there, but without actually showing children. Right, and the and seeing the the it was more like seeing the photo the sorry the drawing of her daughter. I think mm-hmm. it was that really got yeah. me actually. The drawings on the wall. It made it real. Like it made you connect with her. What the whole reason why she escaped in the in the first place. That's easier for me to connect because of the drawings of my nephew. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mal is getting into the truck to basically get away. He isn't even trying to kill them and, 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 and anything like that. He's just trying to get away. Yeah. And, yeah. He um, realizes his mistake. Right. Like, yeah, he's pinned down behind his own bus and he's just like, and Pinky's going to him, I thought you said we could take him. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like, like that scene for some reason. Because it's so weird. It's so weird to see what we would normally see is, you know, the villain. Mm-hmm. We think, well, our expectations are Negan-esque. But it just falls short. <laughs> because you know why? Again, it's the same thing. Mel is a more humanized version of a quote-unquote villain, just like the Clarks are a more humanized version of like our Walking Dead characters. Our Walking Dead characters are our Walking Dead heroes, and they very yeah. much are heroes. And then our Walking Dead villains are very much our villains. Yeah. Whereas in the Walking Dead, it is not so hero-villain, because yeah. they're fairly quote-unquote normal people, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's Even like, though the rest of the world's a little more ridiculous, it's not even exactly. that far off. It's just sort of right or left of center. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not mm-hmm. so that's not the governor. Like, no, that's you know? what I mean. Like, the governor, you know. He turned evil, E V I L. Yeah, the terminus. <laughs> For eating people. M O O N, that's spilled evil. Anyway, I had to do it. I had to do it. Saviors, you know, like, I mean, it's. How grandiose. Like, yeah, like, I mean, we had these larger than life villains that were very much about the bravado and, like, I mean, governor showed up in a fucking tank, you know? Christ. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, let's not forget that. And, you know, meanwhile, these guys are like, I thought we could take them. Nope, time to peace out. <laughs> and even if you look at the Colonia, and if you look, I'm going to call her the Contessa for me, because mm-hmm. it's the, uh, I think it was the second season, Strand's friend that he had been meaning to get to in Mexico, mm-hmm. he finally got to him, but he got sick, and his mother was taking care of him before, you know, eventually he died. Mm-hmm. And the mother, who I'm calling the Contessa, what happens with a lot of the, the Mexican villages, the Mexican houses and the way they treat the dead is way differently. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this. They don't kill them. They basically, it's almost like as if, what if everybody did what Herschel Green did in the barn? But instead of keeping in the barn, they just left them in an open area and fed them occasionally. Yeah. That sort of thing. See, they're not evil. They're just misguided or, mm-hmm. you know, they're not really bad. They're trying to uphold this kind of standard, this morality mm-hmm. by taking care of their dead and feeding them every once in a a while, that sort of thing. It's a, a cultural aspect too. Yeah, you know, about treating the dead differently, and every culture does. Every culture has their way of, you know, how do you treat the dead? Like, do you bury? Do you not? Do you mm-hmm. do you send them off at sea? Bury? Do you burn like this? Do you do a weekend of burnings thing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like culturally speaking, there's yeah. so many different approaches. So it's under. 
understandable. That was a pretty cool thing that they did with that, too. Kind of breaking the mold of what we would normally see people treat the dead. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting because it's not something that, it's totally not nothing that we would have expected. And then to, to the point where even Nick gets it, Nick understands where these people are coming from and even respects their wishes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. for the longest time. But the whole point that we're trying to make is that it's, it's a little bit more grounded. It's a little bit more, yes, everybody around the Clarks seems a lot stranger than the Clarks, mm-hmm. but not so much stranger. I mean, they're just a little bit apart from them mm-hmm. and not like these wild caricature like villains and heroes. So, right. you know what? If this was a series unto itself, it might not be that great, but because it's a companion series, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it. It's like you get a little break from the cartoony and you get some kind of real stuff. Like you get background, you get character flaws that carry on, you know, from before, mm-hmm. during, and after. You get what you get in Fear of the Walking Dead is what you can't get from The Walking Dead in some ways. Mm-hmm. You just can't mm-hmm. quite get there. And now it's kind of too late. Like if they really start bringing in the backstory, it's kind of like, I don't care anymore. You know, I, I don't care. Yeah. I do like the guy from now, you know, or I do want the guy from now that we know from now mm-hmm. to get better, or, you know, that sort of thing. They won't want their situation to be. It seems like Texas is more of the antagonist than anything else. And they kind of illustrate that by way of their villains and heroes. I mean, they're all complicated. I mean, I've heard several people compare the vultures to the saviors, just like very passive aggressive saviors. And that's pretty much what they are. And of course, when we get into Martha, that wasn't much of a villain at all. <laughs> there's there's a vast difference in the villains between The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Like you said, they're not they're just not comic book. They're not as comic booky. That's like a good way to concatenate it too, because they're not very comic. They're real. They're more ri- like you and me. Oh yeah. yeah, you you killed my friend in a horrific way. All right, watch walkers die, and so I'm scarred for life. You know, these people are more like, oh, I had a drug addiction, or I had the secret from my past, and it's usually things from their past. Like stay with them like i don't know the walking dead makes a really interesting point of when when this whole thing starts it's about who they are now but interestingly enough like even though they don't do flashbacks and fear the walking dead like the stuff from their past follows them into the apocalypse which is like an interesting take on these characters like they don't get to become this new person that they want to be not all the way and even all the way through season five and now we're going to see in season six a little bit too so I find that, I find that really interesting, though. Like, even though, like, see, they don't have to play by those rules, you know what I mean? Like, Fear the Walking Dead doesn't have to play by the Walking Dead's rules. Virginia is not, like, this, uh, you know, grandiose um, villain like Negan. You know, she's, she's, she's got her methods, but she's subtle. But I hate her even more than I ever hated Negan. <laughs> right. Because it's very clear. Negan from the start, obviously, you hated. You hated. This was the guy you were meant to hate. And all of a sudden, season eight, they do a kind of a bait and switch. You know, for the people who read the comics, Mm-hmm. They kind of knew what was coming. They didn't know how it was going to come about because obviously if they started tweaking Negan along the way. It's not be as brutal, right? But then like, but then like season eight comes around. It's a little complicated now. Like, oh, I don't kill to kill. I kill to make an example because I want people to live. But Virginia, you're not clear. Yeah. Like Virginia, it's just kind of like, well, there is this ethos that makes sense on paper, and then all of a sudden, Virginia's thing is if you're not useful to her, then then you're you're dead. Right. They're going to kill you. But did we ever see Negan? I mean, again, I only watched the Walking Dead once, and I watched it right. really fast, but. Did we ever see Negan just take people out because he didn't think they were useful, or because they, or because of? So it's complicated, but you're mostly actually you're mostly on the money in the sense where Negan always regarded people as a resource. If you can't be used for this, you can be used for that. You can't be used for this. You are useful somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. But 
what Negan hated the most are people that are useless. Meaning, like, not, but like, uh, like willfully useless. Like, I'm gonna purposefully be useless to you. Like and Spencer. I and I want you to know it. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, I already got one Gregory, I don't need another. You know, I got, yeah. I got Rick. Yeah. I, I like Rick, though. Like, I think that that's the weird thing about Negan, is that I think in some way, he liked that he fought back and enjoyed the idea of breaking him down in some yeah. form or fashion. But I think he liked Carl more than anything else. So, Well, Rick but, provided him with a challenge where most people just fell at his feet. Right, It was exactly. probably a nice yeah. change. Right, and, and the idea of gaining this group as part of the saviors, it's got to mm. be something delicious. Yeah, that had to be tasty. <laughs> yeah, and poor Negan is like, oh, this is also, this is fun. <laughs> Which reminds me of the quote, by the way, uh, all the way at the end of season five, I, I say, oh, it's Virgin Negan. Like I combine <laughs> Virginia and Negan, and and to kind of bring it back to Virginia, the the interesting idea of like when I saw her, I did think Negan. I think oh, people have use, yeah. but the the difference is when they don't have use. According to Virginia, off you go. And um and to bookend that though, as we go into season six, I think we're gonna see how the somewhat complicated nature of all that too. Virginia, the title of the episode is like no one's gone because she's not gone. Uh. So my personal feeling, simply put, simply put, she's not. Gone. Basically, if you if you want to go with a loophole, the character of Madison died that night. Yes, mm. I will give that to you. And out of the ashes rose Alpha. Right, right. And something that, that we have talked about. And this is something that I think I can't say that's what they're going to do because I don't know what the hell they're going to do anymore on this show. If I had <laughs> to basically say what is going to be a big impact, because we know this whole Whisper story arc is happening based on everything that we hear and the chatter and everything as it's progressing, it's like they're marching towards that storyline so it right. is going to happen Without a doubt. and it is going to happen this coming season but this is your biggest person this is your biggest leader of this group and no one knows who this person who's going to play it is I mean shoot we know who was going to play Negan before Negan showed up we knew Jeffrey Dean Morgan was cast and we knew that he was going to play Negan in this case no one has a clue no one has a clue no one who's who's alpha pretty who's tight lipped yep who's Deanna now <laughs> <laughs> Who's Alpha? <laughs> Who's Beta? No, Beta is Taka. That's Beta. Oh. <laughs> He's still out there. Interesting. He's still out there. Is it, who? Yeah. But Taka. Got, I'm not disputing. Oh, I, well, no. I'll let you know. Taka Walker. <laughs> I think he has his. Oh no! He could. Oh, he, no. has, he has the stature of Beta. You know what's so funny is that I was gonna say <laughs> that. Oh man! <laughs> I think that the. Oh, he has enough on his plate. He has enough on his plate. However, I mean, Native American cultures have various stories about the Skinwalkers. That skin, is true. That skin, is very. Skinwalkers were supposedly shapeshifters, but you know, literally, you know, Skinwalkers. Mm -hmm. You could. You. That's what I'm saying. Like you could oh, necessarily like see a connection there i mean i don't I'll, think you were thinking of that when i heard when i i mean i know of his character and all of that so i was like you know that does make sense but in my case like the biggest thing is alpha and the whisperers weaponize huge swarms of walkers right that's what they do they basically collect them very similar to what the vultures did right except in a way that is not so meticulous the way they did which is sort of like okay we're, we're collecting them in these trailers it's like no they don't do that they don't have like trailer parks with walkers but they basically you know they they, they guide them you know they, they guide them and they lead them almost as like their army of the undead you right. know and i mean 
that's essentially what she did. That's what she did. And it's like, how interesting would it be if that's how this villain got her start, where she learned Damn. her ways of doing this is from this experience. And we got to see the birth of a villain of where that, what's the background of the villain? Because so often we don't get a background on a villain. We don't, you know, maybe we get like a little episode here, a little tidbit. Oh, you know, he used to be this in a former life. And now this, you know, this is where he is now. And it's fine. We come to expect that. How much more interesting would it be to kind of see like a journey and it's culminated to this point where this character is like, this is where they started. And this is the evolution of a character to a villain. And this is everything that happened to get to this point. I am so glad that didn't happen. Because <laughs> you yeah. make Madison. Same, same. <laughs> Uh, nice. I don't know. It also <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Well yeah, of course, the end product, right? But but yeah, like but you know, had you been there at the time, we were just thinking like, oh wow, okay, so they're gonna do they're gonna do Kim Dickens slash Madison Clark dirty. Um like so what now? What is she's just dead? <laughs> like sort of. We don't know, right? Nobody. So it's unanimous. Nobody likes the idea of Madison uh <laughs> the possibility of Madison having become uh, alpha. But but to be fair, I mean how many of you jumped on the fear train uh like either post alpha or post knowing who was cast as alpha no i, I mean i was way past that because i just started watching that right, like right. last year and so you you couldn't see it right there was like yeah. there was no like blank canvas of like who could it be who's gonna be cast <laughs> and since i had no i had no knowledge of the walking dead anyway there you go okay so yeah okay i honestly i really liked her idea though at the time because i was like okay i mean obviously there's huge holes yeah huge <laughs> holes that you could poke into it like okay who's her daughter gonna be is it gonna be alicia and how are they gonna finagle that off and is she a teenager anymore by that rate too so not really and there's there's just a lot of flaws and like how do you make somebody that is ostensibly your you know protagonist and antagonist which again um we talk about when we talk about fear the when we're talking about fear the walking Dead season five um meg uh meg the geek uh had mentioned you know the erickson's original plan of making madison the villain by the end of it of fear the walking dead and so this could have been like an alternative until they revamped the show for season four with the new showrunner so yeah it, it really at the time if you were there on the ground watching this live you're like is this it is this how it goes down and then like what happens to her and and you know what by the end of season five we're still saying her name we're still saying madison lives and we're still yeah. saying like she's gonna come out and then madison's gonna be a bad guy not everybody. And the uh, there's a, a still a shot from the trailer where there's a, a woman and John Dory and the woman is in the, in the cell, cell. Right. And I have had so many people say that's Madison. That's Madison. I don't think it's Madison. She's more. I'm not saying she's petite in stature. Like I'm more in your camp about it being Sarah. By the way, I think it's Sarah. A yeah, little hunch, a uh, little taller. Mm -hmm. You know. So many people are telling me it's Madison. I'm like, no, it's Madison. Yeah. I I heard a lot of people saying the same thing, and I'm like, yeah, it's definitely Madison, but just because I like cool with people, but <laughs> yeah. it's definitely her. You're right, you know. Right. But um, later on, these are, these are going to be the same people that that actually say, "Look, it's not Madison." Like you gave them the fuel and hope, and yeah. now they're going to come back and be annoying on Twitter. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, not sorry, but right? I yeah, think the you know the the writers. <laughs> 
they they do this kind of things on purpose, you know. Putting people that like, oh, they're gonna think it's medicine. But then it's like the Heath thing all over again, right? In a way, yeah. like if not if not for Gimple saying, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back. Like we'd be like, where is Heath forever? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like no, we're, yeah. we're not gonna say medicine is coming back. We're actually gonna say she's not coming back, but we're gonna like make you think that that that, that could be her. You know what the ultimate troll would be saying she's coming back, like after having not having Madison. First of all, Kim Dickens saying she's not coming back. Uh, the showrunner saying she's not coming back. But like then Gimple comes out. Oh, she's she's coming back, and then <laughs> it would be like Keith all over again. The the first of all, the I think in some way the internet would like go aflame, <laughs> and then when she actually never does come back. Oh boy, <laughs> everyone's gonna keep watching to see when she goes back and be like, oh no, I was joking three years yeah. ago. Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead season well, nine. <laughs> Come back as a walker. Oh, that oh, would be yes. perfect. Even like as much as I want her to come back in my own internal way, like not expressing it vocally, that would be awesome. That would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest in, um, in uh oh, I can't remember. It's four oh seven or four oh eight when they bust into the stadium and all the walkers are around them. Yeah. One of those has to be Madison. Right. I was thinking at the time, like like looking back at that, just the the, sec- the episode later, I'm like, oh wait, wait, where is she? Where, but then, like, I was thinking, like, she probably didn't have a chance to turn. So, like, she was like a little pile of ashes. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing left of her to turn. Yeah. Right, right. The few that are left were in the skeleton. hallway. Yeah. She's how, cool, how cool would it be? How cool would it be, if, you know, if she came back as a walker? I, so I you watch her die later. again? I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, yeah. Like, the, you know, the- Alicia finding finding Walker Madison. Oh, oh that might actually oh, that might actually oh, be heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know, exactly. I was thinking like that's the ultimate troll, but I think I'm yeah, exactly. thinking about it, but like in it happening, I'm I'm kind of like, damn, that'd be cold. Like, and that no like reason. made my heart jump just thinking about Alicia seeing her mom like that. Yeah, yeah I, I only say this because it's something that I I always expected. Episode after episode, Alicia finding Madison as a walker. I feel like Alicia's finally in the mindset that she might be able to handle it too. If it were the case, right? Yeah. If if yeah. she did come across her, yeah, if she did come across Madison as a walker, she'd be able to handle it. Okay, so. Yeah. I have I have the perfect scenario. If if it were to happen in season six, let's say, just off the cuff, right? Like because it's only season we know it's happening. You see Alicia in a pen with Janice, and I think someone else, I can't remember who, and they they have like these jumpsuits with numbers in the back. Uh, you see this in some of the still shots, or in some of the um, some of the, the whatever the footage that you see of the upcoming season. And she's taking out walkers. Now, here's what you do: you do the scene where she does a double take, where she thinks she sees Madison. Oh yeah. And yeah. she flashes away, and it's not her. Like Walker Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's how you would do it. Like it's yeah. not really a Walker, and it's not really well, it's not really her as a Walker, but she thinks for a second she sees her. And then yeah. there you go. Yeah. Because of the state that they're in. Yeah, I, I would like that. And see, and the, the reason why you do it that way is because you kind of give them this little false hope. Like, wait, but, you know, she sees Walker, like a fake Walker Madison, and so that definitely <laughs> means she's coming back. Since, so like, nobody told them that she's coming back, now, but now the seed is planted, <laughs> and it'll never go away. And now you have a heat situation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could take another season of everybody saying Madison's coming back. It's never going to go away. It's yeah. never <laughs> going to go away until they yeah. show her dead face. 
I'm not that cruel. I actually miss her. Anyway, let's move on. So to explain this clip, first of all, this was our first clip actually going live, live streaming. Uh, only audio still, okay? But this was us covering the mid. This is a good time that we could actually experiment a little bit and see how we want it to look. So just to explain why you're seeing it this way, though, is that what we would do is we would go live and then we would leave that up for as long as it would take for me to edit it. And then I would post, post the edited version, take down the live one, put it in as an unlisted video. And so it referenced back because I didn't enjoy the idea of us going ums, ahs, and trying to figure things out. So I wanted to leave the copy up that was edited so that people can go through it and it's fluid and whatever. And so this is a mid-season clip. Uh, this is mid-season Fear the Walking Dead season four. And obviously it's called Fear the Talking Walking Dead mid-season four, nine ramp up. So we've got some of these news. So some of this stuff is, I think this is both uh, TWD season nine related. And so here's the clip, which I called... Oh, Andrew Lincoln's SDCC Love Actually moment. Really funny and to me because I knew the movie. So Andrew Lincoln is a British actor and many, many, many moons ago before he was on The Walking Dead, he was in a movie called Love Actually, which I don't know if you've seen. Yes, of course. You have, okay, I don't remember it again, but it's one of those movies that you can kind of battle happen. It's yeah. one of my it favorite is. Christmas movies. It's not even supposed to be a Christmas movie, but it's become one of those movies that's shown every single Christmas because it takes place during Christmas, even though it's not technically a Christmas movie. I've but seen in it any three case, times and I still remember of the movie it. is numerous different situations and how they all kind of come together um, in the room, you know, and, and it's all about like love and, and romance and whatever, um, but not all of the situations and with a big, beautiful bow wrapped on top, you know, it's kind of right. like the reality of like, yeah, this is love, but sometimes love is unrequited. Sometimes this happens is, you know, this is what it goes. So there's to me like the most romantic scene in the movie involves andrew lincoln kind of professes his professing his love to his best friend's wife but he doesn't tell her he stands outside her door with these signs that he kind of like you know that he kind of drops as he's basically confessing how he feels about her and so they reenacted that on the couch with jeffrey dean morgan basically professing his love for andrew lincoln and it was kind of funny and professing his love in his upcoming departure whatever but the funny thing is that it was word for word from love actually and it works oh, really? perfectly in the oh, scenario wow. like it was like literally the same thing the only difference was that like on the, in the movie it's like oh in christmas time you tell the truth and you know here it was like well it's comic-con during so during comic-con you tell the truth and you know <laughs> by, by the way just to be clear about this jeffrey dean morgan is doing this to andrew lincoln yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just okay. Mm -hmm. Glad you because it wasn't. Clear. <laughs> I listened to this clip like three or four times. Like, is it clear that this is Jeffrey D. Morgan doing this to Andrew Lincoln, announcing that he's leaving the show, etc.? No, I think like in the movie he's, he tells. Yeah, and in the movie I think he um, shows him a slide saying, you know, like, and my wasted heart will love you until uh, you look like this, which is like like a mummy or something. <laughs> so <laughs> on the comic con. Yes, exactly. It was perfect. I mean, it was like spot on. I was like, this is perfect. You barely had to change anything. <laughs> <laughs> you barely had to change anything. The romance, the bromance is there. <laughs> Did any of you guys actually see that? It's worth doing this, you know, because then you have a reference point. <laughs> Very moving. And so you look like, what? And that's Brandon Davis, right? Yeah. Uh, poor BD. BD's the goddamn man. Now I gotta put him in the description. Fuck this shit. I don't wanna do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> he ain't paying me enough. <laughs> Motherfucker. Anyway, all right. This is a much shorter clip, this next one. Last one was kind of like more news, funny stuff that happened at San Diego Comic Con. This one is more relevant to TWD season nine. This is my prediction about Daryl. Mm-hmm. This season, I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to follow his inner voice rather than in, in more of an instinctual way. He's going to be thinking things through. He's going to be finding his own voice, making his own decisions based on his own intuitions rather than just pure instincts in a way where Rick kind of lays out something. He goes, yeah, I'm sticking to that because I agree to that. Like he's going to be he's going to be thinking of things and he's going to be implementing them. Yeah. And he's going to be obviously in his own Daryl way, not listening to orders. I think, I think he's going to be trusting himself more. So, and that could be lead to good and bad results. Sort of right. Kind of like after Rick leaves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because it was kind of the opposite before Rick leaves. (laughs) He's like not able to do what he asks him to do. After Rick left, he, uh, stepped into gear and and kind of took over kind of took over that leadership role you know sort of (laughs) especially when the whispers came around like alpha came around and it was like we need somebody and he's like fuck this shit this girl's been through enough i'm done yeah, yeah. Yeah, but well, before he leaves, we we see him like um, Rick wanted him to to run the sanctuary, and he's like, Nah, man, I don't want to do this. You know? Yeah, so we exactly. already see you already see him having a voice, but you know that's right, right, right before that's a right good before point. Rick leaves. Yeah, so there is like, sort of that going on. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, so he's finally stepping up. You know, he's yeah. finally like, No, Rick, I'm not gonna do this. It's not good for me. Right, right, exactly. You know? And the difference is, like, in my assessment, it was like, oh, Rick, I'm going to do that, sort of. But, like, nah, he doesn't, he's not even down with that. I'll admit. Because we're not going to end up discussing this in our season nine coverage, but uh, I I remember at the time when we were talking about this, though, when it was happening and Daryl was kind of, like, not on board, I remember, like, being really mad at him in a way. (laughs) I remember visually being very mad um, and being, like, you know, you know, cop on because you know the, the people of the sanctuary need somebody and it might as well be you and you know like i was like i was saying like oh you're just being a coward and copping out you know like were you mad up. at daryl or mad at rick i was mad at daryl actually oh wow i was mad yeah. at rick Me i was too. mad at rick for, I, for, I for, for not thinking either. for not thinking this situation through like really right. like why would you place daryl there yeah yeah. That he just he just didn't think that through. I was I was angry and I was glad that Daryl spoke up and like you said he kind of found his voice. You know. Yeah. I think yeah. you know two or three years ago he probably would have just he would have been upset about it but he would have done it. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. He and finally he- is like, look, man, uh, I can't I can't do this. And maybe because yeah. he knows Rick will be open and listen to him, unlike unlike Merle would have probably would have just smacked him across the face for speaking up. And that's growth. Yeah. And that that is the takeaway though too. But like. At the time, I was just musing over this and stewing over this, and like, but aren't you being a little bit of a baby? Like, I'm like <laughs> no, not at all. No, I'm I'm with you because in the aftermath of all that, looking looking in the rear view, because I was still kind of like there was still like a holdout in me. Like, I agreed with Rick on, in principle, but obviously, it's a world that's kind of bereft of principle. So in a way, <laughs> right. it's not a perfect world, you know. So like, as much as you want to hold up to these ideals, eh, it's not gonna work, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that you wanted to work. It's like the same argument you and I had about Aaron and, and uh, Gamma with regards to Adam, baby Adam. Like, oh, I want to see my nephew, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Uh. No. <laughs> and, and Aaron's like, no, but come on. You know, and then like Alden's like, no, she doesn't get to see her. <laughs> 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 
And and then you you convinced me just that, like, like that. Yeah, brr, see? <laughs> I'm from South Africa. See, oh <laughs> you got the, got the wrong idea about me. <laughs> Alright, let's continue on with Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, this is episode 25, and it's in, in the, the quote is, sometimes you just need to win. When Morgan meets up with her and talks to her about heading out to Alexandria, you're strong, you can meet a community, you can be a part of a community with strong people, I, you know, I think that's gonna be, that would be good for you and, and yeah. the rest. Yeah. And she's like, just waving him off, waving off his offers, like, somebody here needs help now, and right. she's seeing the notes tacked onto the bodies, and explaining it to Morgan and everything, and so, to me, it looks like a lot like look she's lost she lost just lost her mom just yeah. after teaching her to to bring people in and save people and stuff like that i think she's just she just wants a win you ever, you ever get to that thing where nothing seems to be working for the day mm-hmm. and, and you want to just at least end off the day at your work day right with just like oh, can i just get one win and i can go home and feel okay that sounds like last week sure <laughs> like me yeah. yeah yeah that sounds a lot like what she's going through it's, it's kind of like i just need to make first of all she needs to make up for i think there's a part of her that's almost regretful about the vengeance quest do you know what i, I mean think, yeah i mean I think it made she, her lose her brother you know i think that she's trying to figure out her place in this crazy world and she is trying to figure out a way to kind of determine like what what's my purpose here i lost my mother i lost my brother where do i go like what do i do what does it mean yeah, like what? Like where does she go from? When I saw this episode, I felt just as adrift as everybody was feeling. Most people were feeling, except for Morgan, for some goddamn reason. First of all, like we were coming off this weird high of Morgan saying, "Oh, oh wait, he's taking him to Alexandria. Let's go! Come on!" Like all the way to the end of the season, we were like led to believe, "Oh, this is going to happen." I didn't like it. You didn't like I... it? No. Okay. Uh... First, I didn't think they were actually going. I didn't either. I didn't think it was going to happen. I I mean, I didn't know anything about The Walking (laughs) Dead at that point, so (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really believe it was going to happen. I I didn't either. Let me be clear about that. I I knew that there was no way in hell that they were going to do that. But, like, maybe? (laughs) Like, Like, I don't know, maybe. I I was up for the idea of a journey, you know, but not one that ended up with them actually getting to Alexandria. Right. Some reason or another when it got derailed or something. Right. I never thought they were going to actually go to Alexandria because that would have been the end of Fear the Walking Dead. If they're just exactly, then they would have just joined the Walking Dead. That would have been the end of Fear. Right. Exactly. That's why I, like, from the start, I didn't like the idea. Right. I I like the idea of a journey to Alexandria that would not end in Alexandria. They could make, like, a whole season out of them getting to Alexandria, but then once they get there, then they're just part of the Walking Dead, so. Yeah. Right. So no more fear. I think I, I did not like that. I think Milani was saying, you know, she thought the two sh- the two shows would merge, and you know what the interesting yeah. thing about that is, shortly I don't know either before that or shortly thereafter, Gimple actually says, you know, we have no plans on joining these universes. You know, like they're all they'll always exist in their own ways. And I don't mm-hmm. think they're having any more crossovers except for Sherry. They may have like these references now to all these universes, but never a crossover now. Then again, I never believe anything Gimbo said. Right, and Madison is dead. 
and Heath is coming back. <laughs> right. These are the rules. We will not break them. They could somehow, I mean, now that The Walking Dead has an end date, they could somehow link the end of The Walking Dead back to fear somehow. Right, because then the technically then wouldn't even be crossover. Point. Right. right, right. It would be, you know, the end of this one, trans, you know, transferring into this one. I don't well, here's know. The then thing, the story here's, keeps going. Here's what makes the, the idea of the, now that we can talk about, like, the uh, the Carol and Daryl spinoff. Um, so first of all, I said a bunch of things in a, and I should link this up to another video that I did with uh, Just Keep Walking podcast. Um, we did, uh, we had a little discussion about the news that happened, mostly like recapping what we do and what we thought of certain things, favorite episodes, etc. But when it came to the Karen De- Carol and Daryl spinoff, when we started talking about that, I said, just because it's Carol and Daryl, don't get it twisted. It, it may not be this, you know, loving relationship, A. B, it may not be that one of them is alive. It could be this ghost thing <laughs> where, where Carol or Daryl is a ghost. But like, no, don't take me so seriously. But I, all I'm, all I'm uh, saying about that's a possibility, that, though. It, I wish Robbie I mean, was it's, here. Yeah. It's totally out there. That that is a possibility. What if uh, it's like a Michonne thing back in the in the season three where Daryl is alive and he's just leading? Oh, oh gross. You, you just took oh, wow. one step further to me. Like <laughs> a lot, he's like, oh god, Ooh. no. <laughs> but but, no. but here's the thing that I know isn't going to happen because it, it can't. It literally can't because and this is how I put it on the podcast, which I link. It's not a podcast. It's more like a like a live stream discussion on Instagram that I posted on YouTube. But um, I put it to them exactly like this. <laughs> It's it's like saying to your friend, I'm going to throw you a surprise birthday party. <laughs> it yeah. can't, can't, can't be what you think yeah. it's going to be. It yeah. can't. Because if it is, it's kind of like I roll, really? You know, because that also sets up that actually sets up like, okay, right. when did this spin-off happen? It, this is like the, the, the corkscrew of events know that from the beginning here, you're gonna end up here with these two people living and living happily thereafter. I mean it, it could could make sense like you said yes yesterday which we have to retape again <laughs> like like okay you know the titanic is sinking but you kind of want to see how it goes down <laughs> like so <laughs> yeah we referring to the same way and the same kind of thing like a relationship but you know i don't know can't be the same to what we expect it to be in the clip you said yeah. something about you just need a win sometimes you just need a win and i feel like that was also addressed in season five when they go yes. find logan because they tell the kids hey we've been trying to do this for a long and we really oh, no. need this right now. Right, so I yeah. think right. they kind of explored that further on. Yeah, they kind of adopt this thing. They ca- like they kind of regress back to Alicia's state back in season four, right? Like this. Oh, we just need to keep. We need this. We need to keep going because of what we did and whatever. Yeah. But actually, furthermore, they bring this back around to Logan himself when his breakaway moment was like when he couldn't save that girl in that same place, that same uh, gas station, rest stop, whatever it is. And yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And then they find save Janice and which gives him like this weird kind of redemption thing like he never wanted to be this way but because he couldn't it's, it's almost like Morgan too you know I lose people I lose myself and Alicia's never been more Morgan than this moment from this clip like you know, I just I need, I need something. I need to do. I need to clear. It didn't. It didn't work out well for either. She didn't save the guy in the lumberyard, and Logan no, didn't work out. No, for a long time, he became this adversary. Maybe 
Maybe yeah, just need take, to take a loss. Take the take L. Take the L. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, and I get it too. Like these people haven't beaten down as much and come through the other side and say, "Let's oh well, you know what? We I guess let's forgive people because that's it's us versus the dead." You know, they're not. I don't think they're there yet in a way. But you know, I'm I like it. Like it doesn't have to end up being like The Walking Dead, where you know you have to come out the other side of this disgusting, horrible thing. You know, you can hold on to it for as long as you can until Virginia comes around. I wasn't necessarily sure what happened at first, but then you, upon second watch, you kind of realize, oh, okay, something basically like un, un, unlodged that basement door uh, latch. Right. And You're watching this from a phone still. <laughs> a large phone. Okay. A large, a large phone. A large phone. <laughs> That's a correct message. Just saying. <laughs> And so, yeah, so basically, like, they see, like, because they tried to open that kind of um, basement uh, door before, and they could not. And so now the chains are around us. Now, all of a sudden, they they hear the noise. They see, wait a second. And Alicia, you know, swims underwater to get to that area and realizes that the door is now able to be opened. So she gets Charlie to come over. They open the door, and they make their way out um, into the darkness. And, um, but they do see a walker approaching them which alicia shoots and what charlie points out is that it was the walker that was impaled the right. walker that had that we've been seeing throughout the whole episode hanging off of this branch it seems like the winds finally kind of knocked that branch down and that walker on that branch was the key to basically allowing them to, to live yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's a lot going on here too yeah because there's there's two specific things one is that the very thing that charlie was trying to end her life with is what saved it is what saved her life and she says it and she says it Mm-hmm. And the second thing is the gun that Alicia, Alicia uses to put the walker down was mm-hmm. the same gun that she intend that Charlie intended to shoot herself with. Right. And, and thus kind of and it's kind of like why why I wrote these two things down and I, re- and I kind of went backwards. I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. She yeah. grabs Charlie's hand because it's it's basically these two things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's it's it once one's in real life and one is in concept is that as long as you're not them, the mm-hmm. walkers, you're us. And yeah, we, we've all done stuff we just gotta Mm -hmm. you have to live with it move on and try to make something just try to get everybody together and bring people in and all that stuff so you know, no one's gone till they're gone, and so that just kind of brought it home to me. Mm-hmm. You know, just you having these two mechanisms: this this walker that was going to be used for suicide, and the gun that was going to be used for suicide, used being used to protect. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's just so uh, it's just, uh, riddled with metaphor. It's a yeah. There's a lot of metaphors. It's like an F ton, which I won't say. <laughs> this is a G-rated show today. Is it? I know. It's very yeah. emotional. It's an emotional show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yes, and so and I literally wrote this it's the oh yeah <laughs> it's literally the equivalent of the blunt end for the living and the pointy one for the dead so we're prioritizing mm-hmm. and it's also rick's speech to everyone in the field you know at That's the end the of all out war you know That's the true. dead are the enemy there has mm-hmm. to be something after it was like as like a mini all-out war yeah that is yeah. true I, I like that there's ta- there I, I like how these concepts first of all are kind of universal mm-hmm. for one thing but it's also like you can really take it and and say okay if they're not universal <laughs> 
there's a concentration of these concepts in both Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. It's like there has to be something after. Right. Know? It's us versus them, meaning living versus dead, mm-hmm. not each other. Right. It shouldn't right. be like that. Yeah. This is like literally my favorite episode of Fear the Walking Dead ever. Let's close your eyes. Carol usually hates bottle episodes, and yet she found herself actually kind of liking this one. Just because of the way we were laying it out, too. Like, just the way it was filmed. You get to take your time a little bit. You get to, like, really do some char- character exposition. And um, the the imagery of the family having just lost the family, the images of the bird that was stuck in the flu, the, the chimney flu, and, like, realizing I just saw the tape of Amina, Wilhelmina, the bird that they tried to heal. So, and these, this, the thoughts of Madison, like, are in her head. This is like Christmas. Like, thoughts of Madison were, were all in her head. And um, so, like, the idea of no one's gone till they're gone, that that is universal. That has to apply to Charlie, too. You know where I stand on that. Well, you can hate Madison, but the idea of that particular No, I mean thing. Charlie specifically. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting how many times where we do the Rachel meet the Rachel meter or the Charlie meter. <laughs> We're like, so you hate her this much now, but you kind of hate her this much now? <laughs> um, Every now Charlie, and again, I re-gauge it for you. So when I think about Charlie, I, I put myself in this group, right? Right. How would, how would I, as Alicia, feel towards Charlie? First of all, if I was alone with her in that house. <laughs> right, right. Only you one can, of us would be walking out. I, this is why I like this episode so much, is that like you can see her struggling with this. Struggling. I, yeah, she's a better person than I am. I wouldn't even have thought about it. it. There wouldn't have been a thought. The thought would have been, you killed my brother. That's it. That's the only thing running through my head. But the only thing that would have saved Charlie, if, if it were me instead of Alicia, is the fact that uh, I would probably rather sit in that room with Charlie than alone. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. I think what brought it back home for me was the only thing only thing that brought it back home was actually going back to that clip from last night, the first, second clip, actually, when we talked about the saviors and we said we compared it to Sting's uh, The Russians. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope the Russians love their children. Too. Like, the vultures weren't bad, you know? Like, the only asshole was Ennis, but even then, like, Ennis was her caretaker, and so this us-versus-them thing, they were just trying to take care of themselves, even though he he killed the protagonist that we were following, that's kind of like your Glenn moment, you know? That's like, what did you expect? You know, you killed my brother, in a way, and so this is what's gonna happen. In defense of Charlie, Nick had just murdered Ennis in a pretty gruesome, terrible way. Right, in a fit yeah. of rape, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, deliberately, pushing him down on the antlers deliberately, so. Right. Yeah, it was pretty... Like, there was an argument that he might have been okay, right? Right? Or he was, <laughs> may, or maybe that he was already gone for, but, like, now that little push, that, like, <laughs> Yeah. I think, but, so this is Walani saying, do you think Nick would have forgiven mm. Charlie? 100%. And so that, if yes. Charlie had killed Alicia... Well, no, no, no. I'm saying, would Nick have forgiven Charlie for killing him? I think that's because I think I know Walani well enough. I hope I hope I'm right. I think that's what she means by that. Yeah. For killing him? Yeah. For killing Alicia? Yeah. For killing Alicia? Maybe. No, maybe. I think he would have. Yeah. He's the more. He, for- he was the more compassionate one. Yeah. You know? Nick was very forgiving. I think he would have. He really cared deeply about Charlie, and I think he would have. I mean, when yeah. he when he got shot, he wasn't like "fuck you, Charlie, fuck you, bitch." Like as he's not. No, he's like he's almost sad. He's like. 
like this made yeah. me this made this whole thing made me do this like this what i did he realized in that moment he realized in that moment oh this is this is what happens when you go this far thank you lonnie that was a really good question my god because yeah. it, it does give you perspective a little bit yeah and i wonder you know, i would have wondered if alicia would have noticed that nick would have forgiven her they could have found a way to weave that in or something but i love that question in that trailer like morgan was no longer in texas like it was in mississippi right or somewhere else somewhere where the gang was not yeah looks like it was supposed to be mississippi right and in this episode they confirmed where he was it, it just seems like he he seemed like he wasn't where everybody else was and then yeah. confirmed and and even more so like for the trailer for this week it was kind of like yeah he they they broke that he um that he was in mississippi and i was kind of like thinking to myself oh my god it's like morgan and the wizard of Mo the wizard of oz and like it, like morgan is is uh dorothy mm -hmm. and his stick is toto <laughs> So. Oh, we're not in Texas anymore. <laughs> Stick thing. There you go. So yeah, I just thought that was pretty st stupid. Because <laughs> I was kind of like, oh my god, he was literally in a storm, hiding from the storm, and and all I could think about was the the the, the semi truck in the air, like twirling around, like in the, in the cyclone, and then landing somewhere in Oz. I guess I'm, I'm surprised he didn't feel the driving at all. Oh my god! And the two people he meets. Oh my god, he meets three people. Oh my god, we got to keep going with this. He meets three people, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he meets the Tin Man, the Straw Man, the Tin Man, My wheelchair and, and, the, uh, and the line, the Cowardly Line. There you have it. Holy crap! I, I've got to ask. I've got to ask some of these people, some of these guys on the show, the production, if like that's what they were intending, like the Wizard of Oz. I wonder. All right, so we have to get into this because because this is going to keep popping up. Maybe, hopefully, I'll keep I'll keep tying in the Wizard of Oz with this episode somehow. Mm -hmm. We've got to go home, Toto, but the bridge is washed out, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go home. I don't want to leave you. I said the bridge is out. The thing that I took away from this was okay. The Tin Man is obviously Daryl Chill Mitchell, uh, Wendell. The the Scarecrow is obviously Mo Collins, just flopping around, <laughs> <laughs> and and the Cowardly Lion. The cowardly line, Jim. Oh. You see it now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, who knows if it's intentional or if, or if we're just seeing it, you know? I, it's too hard not to see. Like, once you you can't unsee it now. Like it's, maybe, it's maybe it's, you know, in their subconscious. They don't even realize they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're off to see the wizard. The wonderful wizard of Alexandria. Because <laughs> he, he literally saw, I mean, he literally saw all these people giving up on him right being defeated the, so all dorothy's family like not responding to her not taking her seriously about the, the was it the headmistress or the teacher that took her dog and everything wait well Annie, what are you saying by the balloon would make oh the balloon would make sense that's right the balloon in season five though but oh, she's continuing the thought of the wizard of oz with the balloon the hot air balloon that takes <laughs> dorothy it's supposed to take dorothy away always always yeah, got me beer balloon. always got me yeah exactly the beer bottle balloon the image that i had in my brain of what it must have meant to be Althea is take um, Carol from The Walking Dead. Now just mm -hmm. imagine that in, in your mind, just imagine that all the colonies are wiped out. Hilltop, saviors, you know, uh, the sanctuary. Uh, Alexandria saves them, the kingdom. Imagine all of them are gone and Carol's mm -hmm. the only one left. You know, because in my mind, I think the person that would survive out of all of them and it would be Carol. In my, it just hands down, you know, yeah. in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? Agreed. Imagine how she would feel, Rachel like, what likes. she would carry, and how she would move on. You know, what would she be like? You know, what what would be her totems? What, would she like hold on to the memory of the people that she cared about? Rick, all those mm -hmm. people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
Queen. Mm-hmm. And imagine she created some sort of totems, some sort of keepsakes and stuff like that. And she, she moved on and then she kind of meets another group and then gets into the kind of same kind of pickle mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she kind of, you know, she kind she's kind of on the outside. And you'd, you've seen and felt moments where Carol was just kind of on the outside, didn't really yeah. want to feel like, I mean, we saw that. We saw mm-hmm. that in the kingdom mm-hmm. where she stayed outside the group. She didn't kind of want to be belong, you know? And so imagine if she lost those totems. Yeah. I mean, how she would feel, how hard she would fight to kind of keep those people alive in her heart via those totems. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. her risking her and maybe somebody else's life on the line just to get them back. A season 10 prediction. <laughs> <laughs> how much you'd risk other people's lives or something this is my way of trying to figure out at that point in season four and not even we never really found out what her shtick was and so i was still it's kind of like when rick was kind of getting away from us in season eight and we're like okay i get it but like i think you're going a little too far with althea i was thinking the same thing i'm like you're fighting really hard to not be a part of this group and like yeah. why and why are you fighting so hard for these tapes or whatever it is right is it worth losing your life or losing June's life or whatever, right? And so I was I was trying to figure out a way to compare it. I'm like, okay, what if this was Carol and she'd been through this thing with all these people and kept all these things and this is their last, this is their dying imagery or this the last vestiges, of the legacy of these people and how they struggled. And so I was trying to put myself in her shoes. What do you guys think of kinda, that? Kind of not just about her because, you know, the all the footage she has, it's not about her. It's about, like you said, it's about all those people that she interviewed their stories it's basically an archive of the lives of everyone she's ever encountered on this apocalypse and most of these people are probably dead you know and that's the only thing that there's left by the way i think and she's like a guardian you know like of these memories right yes she's a guardian of these memories of their stories and yeah if if no one else is alive no one who knew these people she's the only one and she has to protect it at all costs i i can understand that you're saying Nisa reminds me of that scene in (laughs) gonna laugh at me that scene in John Wick um I think it's the third one uh sorry if I spoil this for anyone but he what is it called the parabellum yeah parabellum I think it's that I think it's the third one he he goes to someone asking for help and and the guy basically asks him why do you want to live and his answer his answer was to remember his wife he wants to stay alive so that he can keep the memory of his wife and what you just said about Althea makes me you know think the same thing she feels this responsibility to stay alive for these people you know she's responsible for for their existence almost on these tapes exactly that reminds me of something on the x-files which is uh (laughs) yeah uh which is um um it's a navajo saying uh we're only alive uh as long as the people who remember us yes Mm, they said that in westworld too ah yeah there's some native american uh illusions there yeah as long as there's someone to remember us we live on yeah exactly well, that, and then you multiply that by the fact that she's a journalist. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> exactly. The, the desire to document <laughs> and keep truth. Yeah. She's recording what's left of the history of humanity. That is a huge burden. It's a duty. Um, but to play on this childhood fear of mine that I have about this idea of you're only alive as long as people remember you. And the, I, I went to, I kept switching schools as a child. So like every year I'd be in a different school or every other year. And so I had this deep-seated fear of like, or, or like this eventual like 
resignment to like nobody's gonna remember me who's gonna remember me like yeah, i i encounter all these people that have had these like friends since birth or like nursery school or yeah. whatever like you rachel your friend melissa or her name's <laughs> melissa right or, okay. yeah yeah and so like i don't have that and so like i resign myself like and, me but, neither. I, but i find myself like every once in a while like going on facebook and looking up an, an old name that i remember because now i'm now i'm <laughs> Al- now i'm althea right i'm althea <laughs> yeah and i'm like but do they remember me or like does do do i remember them like i remember their names i make i remember mark, I, Sh- mark shelton went, amy tisha and kidding <laughs> <laughs> i went as far as adding those people on facebook oh. to see if they they knew who i was right and one of them did i'm like oh that's a win i'm gonna take that oh okay and, and milani's saying well, i lived in the same town all my life so we know each other a little too much same here say. <laughs> yeah. same here but you know we're not part of each other's lives thought of something mm. the origin of the vo- oh i really want to get your take oh on god this is the okay. one okay i know Ultras, what this or at least is Ennis and Mel. okay what if martha was the one that set the, f- the fire <laughs> at the farm right. that is your missing fucking piece now i, I, don't, I think hey. you're giving them too much credit and i think <laughs> you're Maybe. I, it, it, I, I just think that they're trying way too hard but what, would you, think, what would you think if, if she did that if she was the one that did that 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 is a huge piece that links you're both such seasons an antagonist together. both seasons are both, part- <laughs> oh, both <laughs> half of the season and yeah, sorry and see and that right there tells you right there my points it's like it just is so disconnected but what if that does it what if that completes the circuit i don't think that's what it is because when they were explaining the story of what happened to the farm i think it was mel who was talking to madison and basically madison tried to kind of guess try to answer kind of finish his story for him or whatever that's not how it happened this is what happened and hey we had to do what we had to do you know like just something along those lines or whatever because well she told i think what he said was that he got them to stay instead of going Mm. when the fire started and he you know which which is why she tries to tell madison it's it's not good to stay this is what i learned from from trying to stay and trying to stand our ground Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but by the way it's interesting that you and i had both thought that one of them started the fire but Mm -hmm. i don't they never revealed that that either of them did that by the Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. but we were left with this i'm pretty sure that one of them did it you know it's got to be they're that evil and that's kind of like why we were left with the impression that like wait the vultures i guess they weren't that bad in a way i mean by the end of it you know there's the oily walkers forcing their hand they're still they were still you know they were actually more interesting i don't know i mean they weren't all out but like the second she starts to give them credit it's like no 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 no. it's not no they suck the writers suck everybody sucks (laughs) (laughs) and i'm the antagonist Listen, I'm 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 just pointing out. It to, no, it sucks. You you are fanning the flames. I was I was being like a, it was a gentle gentle fan. But Carol, but no, no, <laughs> you die, flame. Oh, evil, right? No, they basically were just uh, scavengers, really. You know, right, right. And they and they learned how to weaponize walker walkers in order to basically uh, you Carol know, take over what they wanted to take over without really getting their hands dirty. Well, like, exact opposite of take what you need leave what you don't right. <laughs> they took everything even and, what they didn't need and to be honest it's it, something i wanted to bring up too. and to be honest if 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 this woman martha had started the fire by some if they all of a sudden said like oh and she started the fire that farm or whatever it would make no difference in my mind it would it be no sort difference. of like okay more crazy psycho behavior for no reason all right so it's, it's the way i think it's in the i mean obviously look it's not enough to just say that she did it i mean it would link these two two halves of the season together but i think it's the way in which it all unfurls that really would be like tremendous because again uniting my both halves of the uh, of the season um the way that they do it is going to be 
pretty important. It's It's got to be in a way, kind of like what you want, that shapes, further defines why she goes down this path. And, um, she's, the, and she's the new nemesis, nemesis for here on out. I mean, it basically make. by the way, it basically means that she's been the nemesis throughout the entire season. From the very sense. beginning. She started the fire, you know, like like Billy Joel, like it, which caused the vultures to come, <laughs> which ended Madison. So by the way, it's not just to define her character, just well, the mere dying. idea of her starting the, the, the fire at Mel and Ennis' farm, their family farm, means that she's the reason why Madison is gone, by the way. The root cause. And so this will make everybody, this will really test everybody's mettle. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It really will, like, it'll test Charlie because, you know, Mel and Ennis end up dying um, by both Alicia and Nick. Um, the the stadium goes down, so Madison's out. Nick eventually is out because Ennis kills him. Oh, no. Everything that, that happens a, this season is there. a direct result. Like, every bad thing that happens is technically technically because of Martha, if this theory is correct. That's That was my entire point. And I think, look, you could still hate the season for what it is, like some people would. <laughs> but I think to me, at least it would make more sense, right? Make, like, having it go back all the way to the beginning. Because, I mean, again, playing with time that the way they did, and then stopping after eight, but then continuing and finding out that Martha did it takes you back. Again, yeah. in, in, but in your yeah. mind this time. So, please tell me what you think, because I'm, am I crazy about this theory or would it have made a little bit more sense would martha have made more of a sense as a, as a character if if this had turned out to be true i i uh, i gotta say i i like the theory because i found martha's character pointless so right, having right. having this link to the other villains or not yeah, non-villains whatever they well, were sure yeah. what you know this this group that we can't really figure out yeah if we kind of found out she was part of that origin story i i guess i would like i would like that i think i would like that and i'd be like whoa yeah I, yeah that like that was I what like i was it. thinking like that mind blown thing you yeah know, like, yeah definitely. yeah i i i agree with with rachel i agree with rachel also i love the billy joe reference yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't stop the fight but technically they didn't technically, right so yeah. it was always burning since the war's been turning exactly <laughs> like so what so what started the fire right like this was, exactly. you know if it was martha yeah i would have liked that now let me ask you now let me ask you another question like given the fact well Sharon what do you think though uh, well I was going to say it didn't happen in season 4 that way but actually that's kind of how it happened in season 5 because Virginia yes. was the one that was behind oh. everything that happened in season 5 Every, so somebody was listening to Squawking Dead, right? Hey, that's a good idea. Which, Let's do that. Which, by the way, Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg follow Squawking Dead. Or no. Uh -huh. let, me, let, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Out of all the people they never let in, they let in us. So Ooh. to their private profiles. So, you know. Cool. Pack my back here. Yeah. Do this thing. <laughs> um, this is back in season four, by the way. Um, but I wanted to bring up another question, though. Um, do you think that idea, though, would have maybe have allowed would it have made a difference to the people who really vociferously, vociferously hate this season you know like I think so. do you think it would have redeemed some ground or it depends on what ground. reasons they had for hating it right yeah, exactly exactly I, yeah because some people just maybe. have some people are just tribal I, I'll put that out there but yeah but I think yeah if that was the case maybe for some people but... maybe for some people okay like, yeah maybe, but generally definitely not Carol though <laughs> No, no, because they basically rebooted the show. I don't think that would make a whole lot. Right, other. right, exactly. I'll leave it there. I appreciate you agreeing with me because that's cool. Because I like being agreed with sometimes. 
sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm okay with you guys agreeing with me and not fighting with me. I, 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 honestly, I only agreed with you because I like the Billy Joe record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but I'm kidding, but I not kidding. did. No, I'm kidding, but the Billy Joe reference just sealed the deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I wasn't on board until you said Billy Joe. <laughs> All right. This is the point at which Carol just like couldn't handle anymore. <laughs> she, <laughs> she just couldn't. He couldn't even do this. She's like, "Fuck this shit! I can't even watch this shit." And I'm like, "What am I gonna do all alone?" <laughs> this is the. If you listen, I'm so glad. Like, cause I I was about to like leave the live stream as it was, and then I said, "You know what? Let me let me edit this thing up because I sound like." A lunatic. <laughs> and so, but I still sound like a lunatic. But I moved past everything a lot quicker. I have nobody to bounce these ideas off of. But this is the result, so here you go. The interesting thing about Morgan is that he's already got some of these attachments, and every time you really start to see like what it means to have a deeper connection to know people. You know, When you have a connection to people, you get to start to know who they really are rather than what they are on the surface. And I think a lot of this season reflects that. I mean, the the ability for Alicia to, to look past what Charlie's done and get to know who she is. Um, Madison's unbelievable talent for tolerating even the most, you know, underhanded kinds of attacks like Naomi, you know, June as Naomi basically almost ending her and I mean being overall hostile even in the face of, you know, trying to give her the most leeway and and being hospitable and trying to get her to join. There's tons of tons of um examples in in this season where things could have gone sideways, but people moving beyond their perceptions. It not only reverses the situation, produces almost unbelievable possibilities. And you do see that from from um episodes past where how did we get to a point where Alicia wanting to take Charlie to the beach gets Strand and Dory saved and, and all this stuff. And then Luciana saved because Morgan decided to write down the um, his radio channel on the boxes that he decided to start distributing with Wendell and Sarah. Uh, and this was as a result of Alicia leaving him in the midst of a hurricane. So everything that happens, happens um, because people start to move beyond their expectations of, of other people. The surface expectations. Martha could not look past. And so when you see Morgan start to rally every time he hears from the group or every time he um, every time he he almost thinks that they're already dead and then somebody kind of chimes in you see him rally again you see him kind of just gather his strength is there's like more of a reason to live and um, and that's important too and, like, it's kind of like no one's gone till they're gone and you know what Morgan is thinking to himself at one point the radio kind of conks out Morgan doesn't know what's going on and so that kind of brings me back to the Henry situation the John and Morgan conversation from earlier where John is basically saying to him I don't know, you know after 20 after 48 hours if I don't hear from you I'm coming after you I don't know how, what state I'm gonna find you in but no matter what I'm gonna find out and so that's Morgan by the end of this episode and you start to understand that when you get to that point where Morgan is not even questioning doesn't take he doesn't even skip a beat when he doesn't hesitate and all he can think of is I need to know what happened to this group no matter what it's on me if I can say them, that's great I mean before you were thinking you might have been thinking as he was going on and, and stumbling and, and barely not able to get up you were thinking he just needs to know that he can still save them and even before with Martha you're thinking that as well like he just needs to know that he can save them there's a sliver of hope I can still save them I won't lose myself but when that radio goes out all bets are off he could have just as easily just given up he could have gone either way there are so many th times in my life particularly and maybe even the lives of others where I've seen people when okay let's say your cell phone dies you almost lose the 
hope of, of reaching, you know, if you really need to beat, reach your loved one, you're almost like, well, I guess I'm not communicating with that loved one. We'll borrow a friend's phone. You know, log on to your contacts, you know, your iCloud, and then get her, get, if you don't know your loved one's number by heart, because that's a thing in 2018, you know, look it up on someone's someone else's phone, call them from their phone, ask a stranger. There are things that we do when even the smallest obstacle is removed that gets us to give up. But Morgan is finally kind of moving beyond that. And you saw him fold when, when things when things got too hot, when he was faced with the possibility of not seeing Henry alive again. And when you see him start to, well, not run, but kind of like a hop skip, well, and well, kind of a jump when he was trying to knock out that last walker on the bridge in that one scene, um, you start to understand that, that he's moved well beyond that. He is not in that. He's not going back. And just like John Dory said to him on the walkie, um, you know, like saying, I don't blame you, but but here's the deal. You're, you didn't, you didn't kill her. You're not going to change. You're still who you are when you are. Even long after we're gone, um, you're going to be who you are and you're going to help somebody else out. And yes, the radio ends right there. But those words, leaving on the on that note, even though it was a bitch of a note to kind of leave off on, um, that is enough for him to kind of go, I need to know what happens to at least my friend here. So he resolves himself to do that. Um, now, and so it kind of brings me back to the original point, and that's that Martha ends up unsticking Morgan unintentionally. She does like the best, I, mean, I know it's a shitty thing, but she kind of does the best thing for I'm talking him. To myself. She kind of forces him into a situation where he has to get over this. He needs to unstick himself. For I hadn't really thought about Martha playing a role in how Morgan ended up, but but that makes a lot of sense. You know, even if she didn't mean to do it, I feel like looking back now, maybe my details are fuzzy, but it's almost like Morgan saw Martha as what he what he could have become, and right. he's like, okay, I, I I could very easily turn into that. I need to do something so that I don't. Right, anti Morgan. So she, yeah, she motivated him to to stay Morgan. Basically. In fact, you realize, and I, I don't know if I say it flat out, but you, if you really actually start to think about Martha as much as you don't want to, um, <laughs> you realize Martha was wrong the entire time. Not just in the head, but like wrong in that the initial, she never looked past the surface. This is the what people are. I'm not going to get to know them, so I'm never going to know what they could be or who yeah. they could be. And yet you see each person moving beyond their expectations. Alicia moving past her impressions of Charlie and what she did and finding out after doing that, the impossible is possible. I almost said it in that clip and it was never said on the episode until season five. Did you notice that? The impossible is possible, that quote, but anyway. Don't remember so it's it. kind of like <laughs> shooting my own horn. Morgan, uh, Morgan using Martha to move past himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though right. he's leaving her, he's still um, into in, making go back into clear mode. Um, right. Kind of like what Logan did. When Logan couldn't save that girl, it totally changed him into somebody. Right. But Morgan didn't take, take that as if he was like, okay, I didn't we're going to do it for everybody now. Right. There's a little bit of Althea yeah. in that too when you think about it, right? Because after all our talking about Althea and our own personal experiences in that regard, like you think about Althea also, like Althea, like she's watched all these people not die, or, but she's moved away from these people for one reason or another. And she's the one that, that carries their stories, not knowing if they're dead or alive, but probably not alive. And so she's like the essence of this. Like, you know, I got to see this through. This is my, it's my job to actually see whether they made it or not. And so maybe some of that rubbed off on him in a way too, right? Yeah, definitely. No. I'm going to say that this is a failing though. I like that That's we have nice. a show like this where we can break this down to, to like really show why Martha was relevant is because Martha never looked past the surface. She thought all people were shitty and then the only way to make them worthy of being alive is freeing them from people and you know being strong and then not looking past the expectation. Everybody's horrible, you know? Mm. The show did not 
adequately express that this was her bent, you know, or didn't find a way to for Morgan to make that connection. Let's say mm-hmm. Morgan could have translated Martha in a way that would have made that would have made sense for the average user. And you know what? We have to we have to account for that, you know, like or at least we do as the show because one of the ether one of the things that we say on the show sometimes is that if the audience doesn't get it, it's valid. It's valid. <laughs> so you're not wrong if you hate Martha and maybe hate the season in some way, you know. So any other takeaways from everything that we've like gone through? Pile on to Martha. <laughs> you know how we like to say in the apocalypse, you know, we think we're Daryl, we think we're Rick, but we're really Eugene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think for some of us, we could have been Martha. <laughs> I think in a weird way, and this is why I was laughing, I think most of us would probably be Martha. Right. We would absolutely lose our minds and go completely batshit crazy. That's, I mean, that would be the normal thing for people to do. I think. I think I would go insane. (laughs) I'm going to say something very controversial right now, which might get edited, to the point where it might get edited out. Oh, boy. But, like, I'm going to try to frame this in the right way. But, like, you ever, okay, I'm not against, like, people who are about social justice. I'm I'm about social justice, too. But when some people go after it there's this almost sense of entitlement in some ways like like along with the good stuff that comes along with just social justice there's extra stuff like sometimes people want a little bit more of like okay some people not everybody agrees about how like medicaid for all can come about if you, you know how do you pay for that how do you pay for free college and stuff so some of this stuff is attacked on to the idea of social justice because it's not really social justice if you think about it unless you tack on other ideas etc et but my point is you know what i'm talking about in your mind you see the person in your head right of that kind of person but like the extreme margins case of a person that looks wacky right martha that's what these people turn into like because they see the world in a way that everybody is in some you know not to generalize obviously but but the particular margins kind of person i'm talking about they see people maybe most people as being horrible and then when they when they get an experience like martha got they turn into this person that says oh i gotta be strong now (laughs) like i can't rely on anybody so i mean that's because that's when i think about martha and not looking past the surface and seeing everybody's this kind of person i think of like okay that maybe most people would be be a martha or people like this at least yeah yep uh, everybody we, we was, could be we could, oh, we could yeah, all be marthas everybody oh i don't know in the listening to podcast everybody's like how could she just do that and people be like that i'm like you watch someone Every you love die in front of you um, and you can't do anything to help them it would turn you it would make you lose your mind i mean there's nothing yeah. i didn't see anything wrong with the way her character was portrayed she just hashtag know, martha crazy Hashtag yeah. Martha, Mar- Martha didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Martha did yeah. start the fire. Martha and Charlie. <laughs> Martha, Martha and Charlie. Look at you in defense of Martha. I'm, I'm, <laughs> dude, that that is a that is a hill to die on, and nobody does it, but you are. So I'm I'm. I, that's the thing when I when I see people making interesting like co- like not like counterpoints, like meaning like you know you're gonna get shit for saying that. I applaud <laughs> you for that. Like I kind of even almost agree. Like I. I wish they could have done it better in my opinion but like i don't disagree that martha couldn't have been could have meant more obviously because of my theory but also like kind of tie that in a little bit yeah. better like that concept of well if you're gonna go this route and express the fact that martha never looked at this past the surface which enabled morgan to all of a sudden like because they were sneaking in all this sh- shit like to the point where he left the group because he was like hey where are we gonna go to next where we see him in the beginning of the fucking season he's like i don't want to be a part of you can i go now you know like <laughs> there's you're just yeah. You're 
supposed to be able to tie that in like every now and again like remind us you know that this is the journey and this is where you are now and this is where you're going and i just feel like they could have done that i think maybe tried it got lost in the surface narrative a little bit like oh here are the vultures oh here's madison madison's gone but the undercurrent is what they probably needed to focus in on more you know what i mean and this mm -hmm. undercurrent of where morgan's yeah. going or you know where all these characters are going yeah you know i didn't think martha was gonna be like i, I didn't think she was gonna be the big bad for for that portion of her time i thought she would be this you know character that would pop up every now and then you know and turn out to be something totally different i kept waiting for a big bad guy and <laughs> and then and then you know we get to the end and i'm like who was the bad guy here right right was she supposed to be the bad guy right okay yeah. well, he here's the one thing that i i thought they did well because i mean maybe this just occurred to me but from the very beginning or yeah maybe the beginning the first episode i i noticed right away that the antagonist wasn't people it was texas the, the you Tex said multiple times the environment yeah, yeah they were fighting the environment yeah and like whereas like the differences between like okay the walking dead the adversary eventually zeroed in the walkers like okay the idea of walkers that's your enemy but like i like the idea of this desolate nothing is out there there's no supplies people are getting desperate leland and the pilfers exemplified this like these are people who could probably otherwise be reasoned with maybe cooperate but it's that kind of world where scarcity makes people do horrible things even when they know they're outmatched you know like stupid things. so mm -hmm. you get that right away if you're paying attention and so if you keep that in the back of your mind you're like oh, okay these people are the way they are because the environment makes them this way you know mm -hmm. but you're right though i mean like listen if the audience like you doesn't doesn't keep that in their mind or the show doesn't make it that they keep it in their mind that's what's going to happen yeah that well Andy's saying the actual big bad wasn't the actual big bad wasn't so bad <laughs> so yeah. that was yeah that was the big bad well, anyway. yeah that was my reaction to martha and what's my like favorite that, date? <laughs> that was the big bad see the big bad was antifreeze <laughs> <laughs> and the hero was beer <laughs> no, no, always that, that was just, always that was just perfect hashtag the hero is always beer yeah. sarah, sarah approves is hops and uh <laughs> a bureau instead of a bureau. <laughs> You're a big hero. <laughs> oh boy. We can be uh, beer bows. J Jimbo's beer bows. There you go. That's where they got the name. Jimbo's I'm beer bows. Beer bows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, all right, so let's stop it here. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you, Ron. You had some really thank good you. questions. I love your comments. Thank you, everybody yes. who popped on. Uh, thank you, Sharendy. Thank you, Nisa. Thank you, Cosmolove09, Rachel Burt. And thank me. you. Thank me. No, don't have to thank me. Thanks, Dave. You guys thanks, through Dave. this horrible, horrible. <laughs> and, uh, thank you for being being tech-wise and knowing how to do all this, because I sure as hell yes. well, yeah, I don't have a I don't even have a camera on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you did, we'd, we'd have a hard time, you know, going through this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. We, um, our next episode is going to be on The Walking Dead Season 9. You are not going to want to miss it. Season 9 is when I joined Squawking Dead. That's right. I, I wish we announced that somehow or somewhere. And I, th I think it's episode 46, I want to say. 40-something. It's 40-something. Like 45 through 46 is one of those. Something, yeah, somewhere in there. Something like that. 
whoever buys its coffees, what's a coffee? It's a way to support the podcast. Blah blah blah. <laughs> for less than you a know. coffee, you know the whole shit. For less than a cup of coffee, you can support the podcast. If it's a one time, it's it's three dollars, and you get thirties of access to all our behind the scenes posts, um, which includes links to prior episodes, unedited episodes, the links to our future sessions, and if you just follow us, don't even support us. Just follow us on ko-fi.com/squawkingdead. Just create an account, follow our account. You'll at least be in the know. And if you want to be able to give us at the time so you know something cool is coming out then you'll have the idea we do a lot of live watches we do a lot of this we do a lot of that whatever you know you get the idea and you can also subscribe if you keep subscribe subscribe to a coffee a month you get to the party keeps on rolling you can you can get all those exclusives not miss a thing go back in time get some of that shit you know eventually the uh unedited recordings are going to show up in ko-fi.com walking dead so check that out if you're interested you can get the whole thing and there's a lot of gas technicality issues uh, hopefully the, the whole recording's there i don't know i don't know do you know i don't know we'll find out when this thing's over thank you for joining us and we'll see you very shortly for part three of this episode 100 extravaganza thank you for joining us and good day or night depending on when you watch this bye guys bye.